Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. <laughs> and welcome everybody to the Harlot Society podcast, a place to rediscover your inner witchy bitch and connect with your higher self and a community to help guide you there. My name's Ash. And I'm Cap. All right. And this is exciting because we are recovering from, I'd like to say, a mini Saturn's return in this year. If anyone's familiar with what Saturn <laughs> Saturn's return is, it's just a difficult period of your life astrologically when the things that no longer serve you get, you know, squished out of your living experience. And I feel like Kat and I went through that in a very tight uh how would I, we've been through a lot of shit this year. So <laughs> that being said, I'll turn it over to Kat to introduce uh, this episode and go over what's happening with the podcast. Yeah. So we first want to apologize for, you know, kind of being MIA. Um, hey, well. <laughs> at the same time, I think it was for me, most definitely super important for my mental health to be able to focus on the things that I was going through. So we just wanted to kind of give you guys a wrap up to season one and introduce you to season two and some of the changes that we've made, some of the changes that we're making, some of the new things that I haven't even said to Avonlea because I totally forgot. So, you know. Yay. (laughs) That's very exciting. Yeah. Okay. And just to uh, go over what has been happening in our lives, I'll go ahead because I I really want to ask Kat and have Kat go into what she's been healing from and working through because it's a really incredible, inspiring story Um, just to fill you guys in. So I actually officially started AA um, with my best friend and I'm coming up to my third week of sobriety. Uh, I know I talked about a little bit in, well, it was probably more than a little bit, um, the last few episodes of the previous podcast, Um, just, you know, what dealing with a lot of the trauma in my life vis-a-vis alcohol was doing for my mental health and my physical health. And I talked a little bit about how all of a sudden withdrawals started happening And so, yeah, my best friend, she started uh, going to AA and actually introduced me to it. Um, And that's been a really great experience for me. Um, It's a a lot of reconnecting to being present. And I think in regards to like my practice and my witchydom, that's a word it is now. uh, (laughs) It's a really exciting way to not only start the next season but also I think reconnect with myself in the present and so that's how I celebrated the equinox um, was going into that shadow aspect and so that's what's new with me and then Kat if you want to go into a little bit of what you've been going through yeah so I think I will um, say that I had a revolution in a way um you know I talked about a little bit quite a bit but you know (laughs) same difference Um, some of the things going on with my mom and um really recognizing that my mom was a narcissist so I have spent a lot of time with myself and and one forgiving myself for not seeing that my mom was a narcissist and just moving through that um it's taken a lot of 
uh, growth and perseverance as well as quite a bit of therapy. Um, I didn't realize how bad my mental health was. Yeah. Um, so really going through that, I won't say break with reality, but understanding that I, I did have some pretty significant mental health issues. Uh, I still do, but I will say that I've been off all my medication for probably about four weeks now. Um, and I'm doing therapy. I haven't seen the therapist for like six weeks, but that's just because life and the hurricane and all the things. Yeah. So I was actually supposed to have an appointment today and was really excited about it, but you know, it, it's okay. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's a big thing for me is to be off the medication. I've been on and off medication for, let's see, my youngest is two. So two and a half years. Okay. Um, and, you know, getting to that point of where you're like, man, I'm doing great. I'll come off the medication and then relapsing because you are doing great because of the medication. And yeah. um, so it's it's been a learning process for me to understand what that um, cycle looks like for me. And right. then also um, just making sure that I'm being considerate of others, making sure I'm being considerate of myself and my feelings. Um, so there's a, just a lot of things that go into that if that makes sense yeah Uh, so that's kind of that and then dealing with so I one of my big things in therapy was to find a job that was more of a career and really something that I was passionate about and I found this amazing job and I thought it was like the job and I kept telling my therapist it's like I you know I found the job it's it's that job that I just I'm so excited about yeah. And I was employed with them for about six weeks and they laid me off because the company's having some money troubles. And uh, at first I was like really disappointed, but then the right. more I thought about it, I was like, you know, that's really not the job I wanted anyways, because yeah. it's, it's what I thought I wanted until I had it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like the story of your life, right? Like you always want something and then you have it and you're like, oh, well, that's not really it. But right. I thought that I was going to have more of a position where I could advocate for. So the job I got was a veterinary recruiter with a company that has clinics out in California and Washington. And towards the end of August, I flew out to Washington. And that was just a great experience getting to see uh, the Seattle area of Washington. And I have just fallen in love with Washington. Um, But the company, and nothing against the company, but they just... They say they advocate for their employees, and, and my job was particularly the veterinary recruiter. So right. I don't, don't know if anybody knows, but right now the veterinary climate is pretty tough. Um, during COVID, I think just in like a six-month span, the amount of pets adopted or purchased in the United States was over $4 million. Whoa, that makes so much sense, though, with like therapy animals and how crucial animals were for for COVID. Yeah, Yeah. it was like memes and animals. Sorry, exactly. And people just not wanting to be at home alone. So, hey, let's go adopt a shelter dog or whatever. Yeah. And, And so being a pet parent became super popular. And that that is amazing. But at the same time, it are, it added a lot to a very taxing industry already. Right, right now, the veterinary industry as a whole has a 0.5%, um, oh, the word is now eluding me, unemployment rate. So 0.5% for the entire United States is uh, shocking. So that is 
trying to employ people in that kind of market is rough. Um, and that was my job and it was a lot of conversations and, and basically you became an old fashioned headhunter where you had to go find somebody who was already employed and steal them from their current employer. So, Oh, okay. So that, just so I'm understanding. So it, there's not enough trained veterinarians. For right. The amount. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So used to, and I'm just explaining this because I think a lot of people aren't, don't know this, but used to, yeah, I love it. No. Used to 20 years ago, like your veterinarian treated your dog, your cat, your horse, your uncle, you know, they, they did all the things. <laughs> uncle did. Um, right. Nowadays, <laughs> veterinarians are specializing just like doctors. So you have wow. veterinarians who just do cardiology or veterinarians who just are uh, doing cancer or veterinarians who are just ophthalmologists. So there's a lot oh. of specialty people out there. There's just like emergency veterinarians. There's just general practice veterinarians. And then you have like your equine and large animals. So everybody's specializing so much, which is amazing, but it leaves a huge shortage in right. the U S because we are pretty stringent on our uh, veterinarians, which is great. I'm not complaining at all, but it's difficult. And then on top of that, so, oh, excuse me. I bless you. Keep, keep. Um, the veterinary life is, you know, you're expected to work seven days a week and you're expected to take all these emergencies and all the things. So veterinarians have a pretty rough life. Yeah. Um, so that Uh-oh. was, I thought that I was going to make a big difference in that industry. And when I was talking to my 11 year old about like, like the job itself and, and why I was excited to leave. Like, yeah. I explained to her, I said, you know, they wanted me to move mountains and they handed me a shovel. Yeah. And so that's when I realized that I'm okay not having that job. And really, yeah. I, I am an advocate for change. So going to a job where I can believe in that is what I needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so incredible, Kat. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm actually quoting you in my notebook. They wanted me to move mountains, but they handed me a shovel. <laughs> I've been really into just like quoting my loved ones lately because I'm like, oh, you're so wise. That's a, an, an added benefit of being present. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I wish that I had the ability and it's not that I don't. It's just I don't. I, I guess I don't put value in it so much to quote the things that are so monumental things that just hit me. And I'm like, wow. I'll remember that. And then three seconds later, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, you know, using my my journal for meetings has been a, a big reason that I do that, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll once again uh, hand it over to AA with a mental round of applause um, because it, it has made me more more apt to... I think be witness to the wisdom that people have to share. Yeah. You know, that was something in the podcast before. I know I would, I would be like, yeah, cat, like whatever you're saying is freaking brilliant right now. Cause it is, but uh, me writing it down, I hope that's okay. Maybe Absolutely. I should have asked for, yes. asked for <laughs> but no, I just think you are full of these really wise tidbits and I'm going to come back and, refer to them probably put it in the the podcast description <laughs> but yeah. no I, I, yeah you know one thing that I was thinking about while you were you were talking is you mentioned you know it was something that you thought you wanted until you had it and that's not it and then you also m- mentioned later on that you're an advocate of change and I think that really pulls up a, an important aspect of ascension of growth 
of anything. You know, we were born and bred in this society that it was very illogical and and very incorrect in its assumption of what, ha- you know, what happiness meant and what achievement achievement and success meant for each individual person. And I think perhaps, you know, as long as we continue to grow and we get to these places and it's like, oh, maybe it isn't the end all be be all. Maybe that's a sign of ascension. Maybe it's just the next step in growing. Absolutely. I think that is uh, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself at all. That's oh, something. Thank you. <laughs> that's something that I'm trying to teach my. I say 11 year old. She'll be 12 to, uh, Saturday. Um, but that's something that I'm trying to teach her now is just to become mindful and to never become compliant or never have enough in the sense of your mental growth. Um, you know, right. always achieve for the next level, and that's something. I personally was not able to hold myself responsible for yeah. until very recently. Like I, I felt like I had that victim mindset because I was in a place where I could not admit that I was a victim of domestic violence or anything like that for a long time. Yeah. And then when I finally admitted that I was, I kind of used it as a crutch, like, Oh, well this is that or, or whatever. I made excuses and kind of, fell into that victim mentality way too much and not that I would use it in in terrible ways but still for me it was something I wasn't okay with so teaching myself to just be very accountable for all of my actions good bad indifferent um that's something that I am really working towards because that's something I like when I first started therapy that was one thing is like the word accountability kept coming up and I, I couldn't understand why and like this is a little off subject but not so the first therapist I saw she was younger than me and not saying that she was doing a bad job but she just she wasn't doing the job that I needed her to do and and I told her I said you know I'm I'm one of those people that I just I look for excuses not to do it and like if you say something wrong there's not going to be a second chance I'm just gonna be like yeah I'm done with therapy yeah and she was like hey if that ever happens let me know we'll work through it And I'm like, yeah, but that's not like, I don't need that. I need somebody to really hold me accountable. And I guess like two or three days later, the the group that I use for therapy called me and they're like, hey, like the therapist you were seeing left. So we have this other lady and I'm like, yeah, I don't don't like the other lady. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And like, I recommend her to all my friends who need therapy and she's just not she doesn't only just listen to you she also was like hey this is this is why this is happening this is what you're doing this is what you shouldn't be doing but right when i started to hold myself accountable and hold myself responsible and and see that growth like she was almost astounded because she's like what i wish all my clients could get there um one of the big things that i worked on in therapy was uh writing a letter to my mother apologizing not so much apologizing, but forgiving her. Yeah. Oh, that's that's big. Yeah. yeah. And that was something it took me. She's like, well, that's something I want you to work on on this next week. And then she brought it up and I'm like, yeah, I didn't do it. Like I worked on it, but I didn't do it. You got it. That (laughs) was like, so that's so sensitive too. Cause you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate, especially since we are talking about victimhood. And I believe you have to acknowledge that you were a victim to be a survivor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's definitely something where with 
with victims of abuse and narcissistic abuse, you know, that, that aspect of growth, I think is so sensitive. And so I think that's really amazing that you moved into this place where, you know, you actively worked on that as a way to move through it. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, you're good. I think it took me a while. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it took me probably six weeks longer than she, she, like she kept reminding me and we'd discuss it. And then I'd go another week and I'd work on it a little bit and, and then I wouldn't. And then, um, finally I just sat down and started writing and it's, it kind of all came to me at once and maybe it was right. Maybe it wasn't, but a lot of it was, I needed to explain to her the ways that she damaged me in order to move on. And I was stuck on the, well, she did this and she did that and she did this. I could never move on. So I wrote her this extremely long letter. And the beginning is very much an apology. But then I still got to that point where I was saying, you know, I forgive you for doing all of these things. And, you know, I still got to say what I needed to say, but also offer her some forgiveness. And, you know, it was one of those that I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to send it. And then finally one day I just was like, you know what? I am. And if she says anything, I did. Like I I sent it via a text. So it's not like for me, that's pretty profound because anything I write is, is pretty important to me. Yeah. So even though I sent it in a text and of course she automatically was like, I didn't do that. And I did, I gave you everything, everything. The one thing I will say, even though she came back at me and she was like, blah, blah, blah. I didn't engage. And that was such a big step for me. And, and not, you know, when she said, well, I did this and I did that. It wasn't like, well, yeah, but you did this. I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to because I had already said everything I needed to say. And that's incredible. It was one of those where, well, if she didn't acknowledge it, that's okay because I got it off of my chest and I don't care what she does. So that's, yeah, that's that's such a win. That reminds me. So one of my favorite narcissistic abuse survivor coaches on YouTube, her name is Lisa Romano. I accidentally just slapped myself in the knee. (laughs) 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 Um, She had this video and it was uh, things you could say in response to essentially what you were talking about, like a narcissist negating you or getting you into like a cyclical word vomit, accusing you of things while not acknowledging the very logical point that you just made, (laughs) you know, not in their favor. And uh, one of them that really stuck out was, I accept your faulty perception of me. Is that something that you could say to an, a narcissist? And what really came across with what you were just describing is you what you accomplished with that letter and sending it was just this really badass way of essentially like being like, no matter what, I said my piece. I know where I am. I know who I am. I know where I stand. And I'm standing in my own truth. And I accept your faulty perception of me. I said what I needed to say. And there's something so powerful in that. I'm very proud of you. 
Well, thank you. And, um, you know, if, if you're okay with it, I'd love to read the letter on the podcast just I to just give. Yes, I would love okay. that. that would... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it says, I'm writing this letter to acknowledge everything that has happened between us and to let you know that I forgive you. Not only that, mom, but I also, but also I understand you. I understand that you gave me everything you could, everything you had. I wanted more, but you didn't have it. It's just that simple. I wanted you to love me with compassion, care, wisdom. But the truth is, mom, your mother didn't raise you with love, compassion, and wisdom. You abused me emotionally and intellectually. It's true. But it's also true that you were abused. (coughs) Excuse me. You were angry. You were cruel. You were abusive. I truly believe you still are. Wow. Yet, it also is true that you are raised surrounded by angry, cruel, and abusive people. You are suffering from the people who are suffering from the people who are suffering from the people who were suffering. Wow. You told me once that our family had mental health issues, or if you were, a curse. I believe in generational curses, which is caused by our mind, what we choose to believe, think, and do. Generational curses are embedded in the DNA but can be revised by choosing different beliefs, thoughts, and actions. Yes, we were cursed, but that curse has no more power. That I choose to believe. <clears throat> All right, guys, hang on just a second while I get my glasses. So what, I, <laughs> what I choose to believe is this. I have been given a gift, a gift of sight and courage, the courage to endure the pain and suffering necessary to make a change. What I choose to think is this. You did the best you could under the circumstances. What I choose to do is this. I forgive you, Mom, once and for all. You are free, and so am I. This letter symbolizes the end of my lifelong suffering, a funeral of sorts, and a rebirth. You see, you said it best yourself. I am not the daughter you once had. Mom, you hurt me. You traumatized me. You damaged me. You abused me. You used me. You humiliated me publicly. You bullied me, and you inflicted so much pain on me. You broke my heart, Mom. You destroyed my identity. You ended my life before it began. Mom, you were supposed to love me, but instead you neglected and used me. You are the one who had the responsibility to protect me, to nurture me, to teach me, to prepare me for life, and to show me what respect and honor look like in a woman's life and equip me to be a functional adult. You taught me that I am nobody, that I do not matter, and that my dreams and aspirations are delusional. You taught me that life is not for me, that I am an outsider in this life, that my reality is an illusion because I was not supposed to be born when I was, that I am a mistake, that I was inconvenient, and that you sacrificed your entire life for me. Mom, You chose to shatter my identity and persuade me that I am worthless, useless, unwanted, unloved, ugly, stupid, and crazy. You taught me to believe wholeheartedly that I was baggage, that I needed to prove my worth, and that I will never fulfill the life you were supposed to have without me. Most importantly, you taught me to hate and despise myself. The truth is, the daughter that you had was destroyed from a broken heart long ago and no longer exists the empty shell of a human you left disappeared more and more with each horrible and tragic action you took 
Finally, each and every trace of that person person was washed away by a river of tears created from your decisions. I have emerged from the deepest and darkest pit, not because of anything other than sheer grit and tenacity. I have clawed my way back from rock bottom, bloody, bruised, and broken. I am the change. I refuse to be anything less than a kick-ass parent. I will be there for my children every step of the way. My children will never know, will never be weighed down by my, the sacrifice. It'd be great if I could read my handwriting, guys. My children will never be weighed down by the sacrifice I have and will continue to make for them. That is my job. Being a parent means making whatever sacrifice is necessary in order to care for your children. It means being selfless. It means putting your dreams on hold. It means putting them first every single time, no matter what. One day, when my children have children of their own, I will share what the sacrifice means. I will explain that nothing else in this world matters more than their children. I will explain that their children didn't pick them as parents and that it's their job to nurture their children, to raise wonderful humans through understanding, compassion, respect, and unconditional love. And that was a mouthful. <laughs> oh my god. That's like you got me tearing up. That's oh. seriously one of the most prophetic things I've ever heard. And I I'm so blessed and I know that anybody listening to this if it feels the same way, just incredibly blessed. You are an incredible human being. That's what I said. I was like, you're inspiring as shit. <laughs> like, and I'm I'm so grateful that you read that. Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for honestly um, for fighting. You know, I feel like you making a place for love and tenacity and accountability to not only be yourself, but like go into the pits of hell and back and reclaim that tortured soul. I mean, it's you make room for other people who have gone through that to also just totally piggyback on that strength. And I know that you truly help people. And more than that, I'm so glad that you're here and that you're in a place where you're on the other side of that pain looking in. Um, Feeling that pain is so important I think to process it and I wouldn't wish a painful thing on you at all yeah I mean you're you're a truly angelic person um and I'm just really grateful that um you know you're in a place now where you don't have to suffer I think that's that's like what really got me um when you were reading that is just the suffering that you went through I mean and that it was hefty well thank you and it's one thing that I don't talk about, like, my childhood and the things. You know, I I thought that that's how children were raised, that, that that's what was normal. And then I look back, and honestly, it wasn't until probably a year or so ago. I was, I was raising my children the same way. And then I realized that this is not okay. My, my oldest was crying and I'm like no you're gonna give me an answer why are you doing this and it was something ridiculous like she's a kid she doesn't have to give me an answer because she doesn't know because she's a kid yeah and and that's when I was like oh my gosh my kid's sitting here at the table crying why am I this is not okay this is how my mother treated me yeah and that's when I was just like no no something's got to change and I, I took a big step back and was realizing it's kind of when um 
you know, I had to realize that working through the summer 8,000 hours a week for someone who was not quite appreciative of all of our work and all of those things. So that was like the satanic representation of like your mother. (laughs) Right. So realizing that that like that's kind of when I started to have the epiphany and, and to work through things. Yeah. And and I realized that my job here really is to be a better person, whether it's a parent, a friend, a significant other, whatever, just being a better person. And that really has led me to my spirituality more. It's mm. allowed me to cut out the stress um, and just all the things. I think one thing that I haven't talked a whole lot about on the podcast is um, I know that I, I told everyone that I am autistic, but one thing that I haven't talked a whole lot about is that I have multiple sclerosis. Mm. And I truly believe that these things came from the stress I endured and just the pain and the suffering from when I was a child. And my body just was so unable to understand and process that these things started to manifest, um, you know, as a young adult, getting away from my mother and then going into a narcissistic relationship with my then husband and now ex-husband. Um, I think that that's when these things started to manifest just because there was so much stress in my body. So hard for your body. Yeah. I think that's a lot of people. They don't understand it. And, you know, you and I were talking about generational curses on several podcasts ago. And that really got me thinking. And I was like, I think I even mentioned something about like, what if all these generational curses, what if all the trauma has manifested into all these things? Yeah. that's when I started thinking, like, think about how people were raised 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've come so far as so a society, far. but not far enough. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. So um, one one um, thing that's happened in, like, this break between our previous podcast and now is I was actually to uh, able to reestablish like a new relationship with with my mother um and so you know we we had a falling out and um you know she reminds me a lot of you in the sense of like breaking the chain you know Mm -hmm. like she she went through hell and back you know her father was an abusive alcoholic um my mother actually is also a survivor of ms she is coming up to her three-year stem cell um, replacement therapy birthday on October 28th. Um, Yeah, so that's something, too. I'm just going to put it out there. If you ever need to talk to anybody, like, please let me know. Like, my mom is, (laughs) she's the best person, I think, to talk to about MS. But that that was something, and I don't want to, like, put words in her mouth, but it's something that I, I definitely thought about um, for a long time is like my anger at her um, and and the correlation that that had with but like potentially with her MS you know what I mean and Absolutely. I mean she, like she you know my mom made a place for us to be raised with love um, when she, you know she was very deserving at that point in time to like really be reconnecting to herself you know Mm -hmm. but 
Um, she got married at 23. She told me that she didn't even really see colors until she got to college. Like she was like walking around one day and all of a sudden like things started looking really weird. Like that is how traumatized and like dissociated she mm-hmm. and her sisters had to be. You know what I mean? And she also talked about, well, you were talking about generational curses and how like back then people just thought that that was how things are that Mm -hmm. really stuck out to me because my mom said she was like she's like yeah like at the time we just all thought that like dads were drunk and mean and and that was the way of it you know Mm -hmm. what I mean just like collectively um and especially since there was so much trauma and like alcoholism coming on off from like world war ii and stuff like that Mm -hmm. That's something, too, I think, with me in AA, that's that's essentially, like, the spiritual undertow of, like, my determination with living a sober life is understanding that, like, I have alcoholism coming from both family lines. Mm-hmm. And, like, like it, I have an opportunity right now to, to stop the curse. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just to stop that. But... Yeah, sorry. I don't know if that was kind of on topic or yeah. like off topic, but um, <laughs> I, I definitely resonate. Yeah, yeah, I definitely resonate with what you're saying, and I think maybe we should talk about generational curses as more of a focal point going forward in the. Yeah, I I agree, podcast. and I think it's kind of right on with where we've been and what we've been doing. Um, you know, I think it's something that I definitely want to research more and, and look into. Because as you're talking about, like, you know, your mom's dad and all I'm sitting there thinking is, okay, well, like, let's think about uh, your mom and my mom are probably fairly close in age. But let's think about, like, what was on TV in the 60s. And you had, like, the yeah. Leave it to Beaver perfect family. But then the movies that were coming out were, like, all the men were depicted as they go to work, they work all day, and then they come home and drink all night until they fall asleep. So I think... I think we should go back and watch some movies that were kind of like the biggest for their yeah. time and I'm see. I think, no, yeah, yeah. What um, movies were going on? Movies were going on in the sixties because you yeah. think that's like a, a pretty good. I mean, they're going to have a pretty good depiction. They try to make the movies pretty close to life. So yeah. I would be curious to know, like, and that's something I, I'm going to do too, is go see what movies were big, like in the 60s and 70s, you know, each year, well, each decade, um, to see like how one things have been depicted and how change has affected that. Because I truly believe that when you deal with that kind of trauma, it has to go somewhere. And that's like, yeah. I will talk, when I started therapy, I told my therapist, I was like, I, I don't know how to relax. And she's like, okay, what do you mean? I was like, I cannot sit still. If I sit still, like either my legs going or I just feel, I always feel like I have to get up and go do something. Like yeah, if I'm like not doing, yeah, if I'm not doing something, I'm not, I'm not being productive. And she finally got me to understand that that's my body's way of surviving. If I don't, if I, if I'm always busy doing something, one, I don't have to look at the trauma that is going on inside my body and try to figure out how to deal with it. But mm-hmm. two you know, you don't have to stop and think about it. And, and you just, you stay going because your body's in that fight or flight mode. So if you're always oh, wow. going somewhere, you know, it, it goes back to that. And I was like, Ooh, you're right. Um, <laughs> so now Damn, like, that hits, yeah. yeah, like that's why we have ADHD, I, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of it, yes, as children is, 
I think trauma ADHD, in the body. <laughs> exactly is created through trauma and I truly believe that and you know I'm that would make sense but yeah think about it even in the womb you know if yeah. your parents are going through trauma what or even if they're just not good people yeah you know what what that brings to you I know I remember this that my mother said to me when I was trying to potty train my oldest and you know it took her a little longer like three but I think that's normal yeah um, she told me she's like well you know, you are potty trained by 18 months old and you could tie your own shoes. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay. This is how you compliment me, mom? Right. Well, like, it took me several years to understand that I wasn't potty trained because I was smart. I was potty trained because... You were scared, probably. Well, changing diapers was inconvenient for her. Raising a child was inconvenient. So if you make them self-sufficient as soon as possible, your life's easier. Wow, that's such a hefty realization. Like, damn. Well, yeah. it, it also, like, stuck out to me just how honestly, well, narcissistic, just how, like, self-involved it is for a parent to somehow, like, insult you by, ma- like, making you feel like you're not parenting correctly and yet trying to compliment you based on, like, their lack of parenting. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, and that that leads to like perfectionism and a half, I think, as a a kid, you know, like, so this is like a super embarrassing story. And my mother used to love to tell it. And she what thought it was jerk, funny. Dude. So when I weird. was like, I think I was seven. Um, I, I guess I had what you would call an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, you know, I would they would send lunch to school and I just, I wouldn't eat it. And instead of taking it home and either putting it back in the fridge or throwing it away, I'd take the food home and shove it in a drawer in my bedroom because I was afraid that I was going to get in trouble. Yeah. And I remember one day uh, a friend was over and I said something, my mom said something about, Oh, sorry, we don't have any bread to go with this. And my friend goes, Oh, well, you know, Kat has bread in her room. And of course my mom's like, what? No. And the girl was like, yeah, here, let me show you. And I had been doing it for months, probably an entire school year, because I was so afraid and, you know, traumatized. Yeah. And my mother thinks it's the most hilarious story. And she'll tell it to everybody that I was like hiding food in my room. And it's like, don't you realize that that was a cry for help? That was that was my way of telling you, like, I had a problem and you needed to fix it. Yeah. Wow. That's cruel. And still as, as an adult, I mean, you know, I'm not young and she still thinks it's hilarious to tell that story. And it's like, come on. Like, that's just, it's cruel. It is. You know, that's bullying someone. Like it's, it's insane that she thinks that that's funny. And it's like, that's, it's pathetic, you know, to have somebody so mad at her. Like, what the hell, dude? And especially since, like, all that does is, like, further humiliate you. Yeah. Like, you instead know, for... of her saying, hey, you know, let's get you some help. Maybe we should see a therapist. Maybe you need something. Yeah. But then I have to realize, again, like, my mother wasn't capable of that. My mother yeah. is incapable of admitting she's wrong. Something yeah. as simple as, um, you know what a drag is? Like, where you drag the arena? Yeah. Like, behind the golf cart or whatever? Yeah. 
so we had one of those to drag the pastures and knock down the horse manure and let it like refertilize. And it was made out of tires and it was like in this, they were chained together in this big triangle. Um, so we would use that on the farm. And one day she walks up and she's like, where's the drag at? And I was like, I don't know. She's like, well, what did you do with it? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I haven't touched it. Yeah. Like, what, what am I going to do with it? And she's like, well, it's missing. And, and you had to have lent it to somebody or sold it or something. And I'm like, dude, what? it's like, it's like six tires and some chain. It's probably worth 50 cents. Like, well, what the fuck? No. <laughs> she's like, well, did you, did you let somebody borrow it? I'm like, no. I'm like, you know, it did flood. Maybe it got washed into the pond. You yeah. know, there's, there's a lot of tree debris. There's maybe that happened. And for months, she gave me shit about this drag that was, and was like, well, you know, it's not worth anything. It's worth like $5. So if you just did something with it, you just need to tell me. Yeah. And I'm sitting there saying, I didn't do anything. Like, I didn't use it. You were the last. Yeah, exactly. So probably six months later, I found out in the middle of the pasture with weeds grown up around it. And I drug it in and I put it right in the middle of the driveway where she either had to run over it or see it. Hell yeah. Yeah. And she came up and she's like, uh, so where was the drag? I said, right in the middle of the fucking pasture where you left it. Yeah. And she's like, oh, didn't say anything. About two days later, she came to me and she's like, well, you know, I probably got called and had to go do something for somebody about that drag. So, you know, thanks for bringing it up. Not a, hey, I'm sorry I gave you shit. Not a, hey, my bad, I did it, you know. Yeah. It was, oh, well, poor me because I'm sure I had to go do something for somebody else. And I was like, you know what? No. How dare you? Like, yeah. How, why can't you just say, you know what? I fucked up. I'm sorry. My bad. Like, I feel yeah. like an asshole. <laughs> like, it's pretty easy to say that. So that's just some of the many things that, like, have made me the person I am today. Like, I look at that and I'm like, oh, my gosh. How did I survive? <laughs> Goodness. God, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm the- I'm sorry, I, like, don't mean to, like, laugh at that story, but, like, I mean, your response to it is so epic. Like, yeah, why can't you just say, I fucked up my bad, I'm an asshole. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, you have to. Like, yeah. even, that's my big thing. I remember years ago, so I'm big in the, the horse community, as you know, and most people don't, yeah. but yeah. So, like, I'm big in the horse community. We have, have always had, you know, gay people in the horse industry. It's just, like, they go together. And so, for me, it was a way of life. Like, you know, you see somebody who's gay, and you're like, okay, well, like, I'm not going to label them because, uh, you know, we just know, and it's fine, yeah. whatever. So, we have had that in our industry forever, and it's just, it is what it is, you know. Like, I think we're some of the most accepting people when it comes to changes. Yeah. Um, and it, I say that wrong. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, we, you know, look at us go. No, um, it's just one of those things. It is, there's a lot of gay men, a lot of gay women in the horse industry. Yeah. And because they're good at it. I mean, truly they have a super talent for it. Yeah. But <laughs> I had a trainer uh, at one point and he, his girlfriend, um, she was very masculine. And I'm like, you know, I bet, I bet Darren is gay. Yeah. And I mean, I was like, I don't know, 12, 13. So I was a kid. And I'm like, yeah, you gotta be like, and not that I'm judging him. I just, I'm one of those people, like, I guess I need to explain that. I'm one of those people. I just like to know things. Like yeah. if somebody's gay, more power to him. I don't care. I just like, I feel like I need to know. And not because I'm judging them or anything like that. I just like yeah. to know things, you know? Yeah. But, um, that's so, a good way to explain it. I like that explanation. Yeah. Uh, years later, he was dating this female and I'm like, that's 
mm, no, there's something wrong with that. Like, and she was a very pretty feet. Like, I was like, there's no, he likes to shop way too much. <laughs> so finally, I don't know. I was an adult by this point. Like he kind of came out of the closet. Like you could tell he was with other men and, and whatever. And I, I finally pulled him aside and I'm like, dude, I'm happy for you. Like, go do what you want to do. I love that. Yeah. But I don't even know why I was going with this story. So yeah, but yeah, so like I, I've always been able to just find those people and know things about them. Like, I had a friend who I went to school with, like, disclosed to me that he's like, "Well, you know, we live in a small town, and and I like other yeah. men." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." And he's like, "How did you know?" I'm like, "Uh, I've known since high school. Like, what? There was never a question. Why? Why do you think I'm going to treat you any different? Like, yeah, I, I accept you. You're good." Yeah, so. I'm. I'm putting a, a note um, at minute. 43 just my note is psychic Catherine <laughs> <laughs> I think you spelled psycho wrong <laughs> oh, well, played. <laughs> well, well so played I, I feel like I had a point with that but I don't remember what it was well now. I feel like it called in my trans uh my trans female fiance because she just walked in so maybe ah. it was the call of the gay you want to say hi? Hi. What's up? <laughs> is, that, is that what we're going to call it now? <laughs> oh, my goodness. The, the call of the gay. Well, this has been such an amazing, um, like, review and revival. I'm so excited. Um, as we're nearing the end, if you want to kind of go over for, I was going to say for our customers, yes, customers <laughs> to the Harlot Society, for people um what we're gonna be adding to the podcast maybe going forward yeah so we both have felt called to make things a little more routine and on topic I think um <laughs> so I think part of it is just getting back to our spirituality and like incorporating the things that one we really enjoy but two that will really give some insight and some direction to our listeners so Av is going to pull a tarot card for every topic or not every topic, but every podcast. Um, or, you know, there may be a time where I pull a tarot card and try to talk through it and then Av can back me up and say, okay, well, no, but yes. Um, and we'd like to incorporate some astrology, uh, maybe some crystals and herbs, just like all kinds of witchy topics that bring us all closer together and Really what we want to do is dedicate like the first 15 to 20 minutes to that and then the next 40 minutes or so to the actual topic that we're going to go over. Um, and then some of the things that I have not even really mentioned to have is getting a website done. So I should have the website done. What? Yeah, in the next week or two. That's maybe. amazing. Um, and then one thing I haven't even mentioned this to Avia is I'd like to start a Patreon, and we'll have hopefully we're talking like a month out, guys. But <laughs> we will have like little mini sods, and it might be like one week with me or one week with Av, or maybe we'll do like a a quick extra. So if you guys have a paid subscription, you might get extra stuff that week, or you know maybe we can talk yeah. Av into doing like a daily tarot thing on there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I want to love that. Yeah, so like incorporate a bunch of witchy lore, just all things witchy and spiritual. And sometimes they're going to be like totally off the wall, like the whole generational curse thing. Yeah, um, and but, fairies. I've been trying yeah. to. I've been talking to Cat about yes. fairies. <laughs> we can go out to the woods and commune with the fairies. 
I think that would be fun. We're also looking at um, a pagan festival that is coming up on, I think it's October 26th. So I personally this year would like to do a couple of live events or maybe not necessarily live, but show up in person to a few things. So yeah. You can actually get out and get into the community. But my goal, personal goal for this year is to grow the podcast one in wealth because you know we need to be able to pay for things to be able for the podcast to grow you know the website and things like that are going to cost um but it's something that we can do for you guys so I am of that mindset serve serve sell so if we can give you guys information and then you know eventually ask for whatever in return um, if you can, and if you can't, that's great too. But our, our priority here is to give you guys really good information and knowledge. And then if you can give back to the podcast so that we can grow great, if not, then we still love you and we want you yeah. to be here. Um, yeah. Oh my we're going to have some like so exciting. weekly email things. Maybe you'll get, uh, you know, an email from, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we got to find somebody to make those, but <laughs> we can do it. We're going to have a bunch of really cool stuff coming up. Um, it just, it's something that I felt like I really need to do. You know, I have a background in marketing. I just do really well marketing for everybody else. So the way I'm holding myself accountable and responsible is I'm marketing for everybody else but myself with the Harlot Society. So all of you are going to hold me accountable to make sure I actually do this stuff. That's so (laughs) – oh, and it's so exciting. So um, just to wrap things up, thank you, Kat. You are so amazing. You keep me on track too. And this is really exciting this podcast episode is monumental for me, you guys, because this is actually the first podcast episode where I haven't been drinking. So I just I feel honestly better about like myself and about the podcast and about just my ability to move forward with this than I have like the entire time we've been doing it um you know we talked a little bit about accountability and that's the thing about being drunk every day is you have great plans and then you you don't move forward with them and so I'm just very very grateful to you guys I'm very grateful to Kat and I'm with you every step of the way girl I'll figure out how to make stickers (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) all right here well any any closing thoughts um, you know, I think we've talked about a lot. I'm excited. Me too. Um, we don't necessarily have a date for the next podcast episode, you know, season two's launch, but I will tell you it will be before Halloween. Yes. I would hope to do, my hope is to do like a three or four, uh, I'm losing my words, <laughs> three or four, uh, yeah, episodes. There we go. Yeah. Episodes before Halloween and just kind of talk about um the lore and the things and maybe read some spooky stories like i just i don't know i just feel yeah. really called to get into that um, yeah uh, mindset and that spirit i think it's because of the cooler weather thanks to the wonderful hurricane yeah um, <laughs> for, but... for people at home so both pat and i are in florida so you lost power right we, we weren't hit too bad like where we're living but yeah we just it's all the wind and like they're so they decided to trim up the trees um tuesday Okay. So they didn't get hardly anything done in the places it really needed to be done. Right. So, you know, we it's not anything major. We lose power if it sneezes out. So <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, 
this has been a wonderful podcast and we will talk to you all very soon yeah we're excited we hope you guys are too (laughs) i'm excited all right thank you dear talk to you later bye